0: Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we will be previewing the Valspar Championship, which is this week's stop on the PGA Tour. We're going to be talking DFS, betting, and one and done. So whatever you're doing for the Valspar Championship, you are in the right spot, and we will get you the preview in 30 minutes or less guaranteed, just like Domino's used to do. I don't know if they still do that, but anyway, it is a big week here on Mike's Money Picks. In addition to the Valspar Championship, it is officially March Madness, meaning we are covering college basketball wall-to-wall this week. Our bracket breakdown episode, which I recorded with my dad, who is also a really smart college basketball mind, is up. Check the podcast feed if you want to listen to that one. That one will help you win your bracket pool or just make any pits picks or bets for this March Madness tournament. And also, I will be releasing all of the DFS previews for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for this NCAA tournament. So if you're interested in playing some college basketball DFS for the tournament, maybe, you know, trying it out for the first time, maybe, you know, kind of rekindling it as we get to the tournament, check it out on the podcast feed. If you subscribe, you will be notified when new episodes drop. And while you're at it, please rate and review. It really helps me out quite a bit. So big week coming up. And I'm not forgetting about golf, y'all. Valspar Championship, this is a quality event with a quality field. It's not quite as good as the elevated events that we've seen, but we've got some good golfers that are showing up to play here. It is a fun course in Copperhead at Innisbrook Resort, and so this should be a good week to play some golf. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the course preview, but first a quick word from our friends at Anchor. (music) All right, so the Valspar Championship is being played at the Copperhead Course at Innisbrook Resort. That is kind of a mouthful, but anyway, it is a resort located near Tampa, Florida, not quite in downtown Tampa, but that's the closest city that it is to. It is a par 71, which is one lower than usual, and it sits at 7,400 yards, which is honestly quite long for a par 71, and it features five par threes and four par fives. So, really, kind of a long course if you think about it, even though it is a par 71. That additional par 3 should bump the yardage down, but it really doesn't because these are some of the most difficult par 3s on the PGA Tour. They are very long par 3s, and three of them have very small greens to hit into. So what makes these difficult is if you played real golf, you understand this, but Hitting a five wood or a four iron or a hybrid into a green and having it hold when that green is very fast and very small is just a difficult proposition. So you're asking these guys to hit some really unique and difficult shots into these par threes. And so that's what makes them difficult and scoring there is very tough. If you want to win this golf tournament, Double digits under par is probably not going to happen this week, but you do have to make the most of the par five opportunities. There are four of them. All four of them are scorable. And so if you're able to score in the par fives this week and just kind of hold serve and make par on these tough par threes and par fours, you're going to have a chance to win the tournament. Now, there are Bermuda greens here on this course, which is what we've seen throughout the entirety of this Florida swing, you know, going from Honda to the Arnold Palmer to the Players Championship. And now here at Valspar, four straight events in Florida, four straight events on Bermuda greens. So that is definitely the putting surface this week. And there are a few Bermuda specialists in the field. Now, I mentioned that this course is located near Tampa, Florida. However, there is not as much water on play here at Copperhead as there is at the other Florida courses. If I'm being totally honest, the aesthetic kind of resembles a North Carolina golf course. Now, you know, I'm from North Carolina, so maybe that's a little bit of my bias showing, but there's not a whole lot of water. It's tree-lined fairways. There's a decent amount of elevation changes. It just has the feel of like a North Carolina course, like a, you know, kind of smaller version of Quail Hollow or, a you know, Sedgefield. Um, I wish there were more examples that the PGA tour played at, but the, you know, those are the two that you've probably seen on TV. And this course also does have a named stretch of holes. It is called the Snake Pit, naturally, since you know it's the Copperhead course. It's holes 16, 17, and 18, par four, par three, par four. 16 is a treacherous one over water. 17 is a long uphill par three, and then 18 is a par four with a narrow fairway and bunkers all around. Speaking of which, this is a very difficult course off the tee. There's a lot of constricted landing areas. So what I mean by that is there's a lot of holes where the fairway looks normal. And then right about where you want to land a driver is where it gets narrow or where the dog leg turns or where a bunker is placed right where your fade would take the ball. It really is intentionally trying to make it difficult for these guys off the tee if they want to you know, take driver out of the bag. And so you're going to see a lot of guys who hit less than driver on a lot of these par fours because a lot of them are going to feature very, very small landing zones if you take driver off the tee. Now, it's also worth noting that the rough has also been thickened this year here at Copperhead. It's been thickened by about three quarters of an inch. It's almost at U.S. Open level rough. So it might be a wise idea to consider guys who have had success at U.S. Opens in the past because if you do, in fact, miss the fairway, you're going to have to be able to hack it out of that tall rough. This is not a bomber's course. This is not a course where you can just bomb it off the tee and you know hit an iron into a green and just you know make birdies. It's not gonna happen this week. So being able to navigate the course Being able to be accurate, being able to play smart, safe, controlled shots is going to be key this week. If you're looking for a golfer to target, you're really going to want to look at their strokes gain approach numbers. Being able to hit greens and hit it close to score birdies when you can is going to be important. And being able to scramble is going to be important as well. If you miss these greens, you're going to have to be able to get up and down for pars. Par is a good score here at most of the holes at Copperhead. Now, also... I don't think driving accuracy is important as it would seem. Like I said, these are tight fairways. They are tree-lined. There is water. There is bunkers. But I think a lot of people are going to be taking less than driver out of the bag. So I don't think you necessarily need to look at driving a- accuracy as a stat because guys aren't going to be having driver. There's a lot of guys out there that are a lot more accurate with a you know a wood or a hybrid or even like a three iron than they are with a driver. So I'm not really concerned about that as much. Now, in terms of comp courses for uh, Copperhead... TPC Sawgrass, which is where the players was last week, is not a bad comparison in my opinion. Um, You know, still a Florida course, still Bermuda Greens. Sawgrass has a little more water. Sawgrass is actually a little shorter, um, if you remember listening to the podcast last week about the numbers at Sawgrass. Um, And then there are two TPC courses that are kind of similar. TPC Southwind is another course that has Bermuda Greens and kind of requires navigation of the course. Uh, And then the TPC River Highlands is a course that, you know, kind of requires a lot of positioning as well. Um, So those are two that you can consider, but I think the best comp course is actually Colonial Country Club, home of the Charles Schwab Challenge. It it features long par threes, It is only a par 70, but it is a long par 70. It is tree-lined. Not as much water at Colonial, but I think it poses about the same relative difficulty level. Um, And you've seen a lot of crossover success with this event, the Valles Bar Championship and the Charles Schwab Challenge. Um, Sam Burns and Jordan Spieth have won both events. Jason Kokrak, who is now on Live, um, but he's had a lot of success at both these events. You just see a lot of guys that pop up on the leaderboards at Colonial that do here at Copperhead. All right, so that does it for the course preview. So now let's take that information and let's see if we can figure out some golfers that we want to target starting at the top of the board. All right, so sitting at the top of the board, whether you are playing DFS or betting this week is Justin Thomas. And I kind of get it because, I mean, he is Justin Thomas, but there's kind of some statistical stuff here that is a little bit worrisome. So Justin Thomas has actually led this event in strokes gained tee to green in each of the past two years. He just hasn't been able to putt, and so in those two events, he's finished T13 and T3 in those two starts here at Copperhead, which are very good finishes, right? But like I said, it's the putter that's holding him back, which has kind of been the case for Justin Thomas all season long. It's been the putter that's holding him back. You know, if you followed a lot of the players' championship last week, he missed a lot of short putts. It wasn't like, you know, putts that were, you know, kind of lag putts where he's kind of trying to set himself up. Like, no, these were putts under 10 feet that he was just missing. And so I think there's kind of two ways to approach it. One way to approach it would be to say, okay, this guy's in his own head with the putter. I want to see it turn around before I start picking him or playing him. And the other thing would be to say, well, you know, if he's running bad on those 10-foot putts, then he's due for some regression, right? Like that's something that can kind of be a little bit lucky. So I could see it going either way, but he is sitting at the top of the board this week. He has played well at this course. I can absolutely understand going to him, and I think you're going to actually catch him in DFS, lower owned generally than more of the like top-of-the-board players that you see week in and week out. Now, second up is Jordan Spieth, who has not played this event since 2018 in which he missed the cut, which is kind of disappointing, uh, but he has had some good history at this event. He actually won it way back in 2015 and he's been playing some pretty good golf recently, but he's doing it on the back of around the green plate and putting. He's kind of bringing back that Jordan Spieth magic where, you know, he'll have a chip in or how to made, you know, 30 foot putt and, you know, you'll get a little bit of a fist pump and a celebration. Um, but that's kind of not exactly the most sustainable way to play, especially because his off the tee game and his approach game has not been as good as we've seen from peak Jordan Speeth. So I don't necessarily know if this is the best time to deploy him, but if you want to keep, you know, kind of riding the wave and seeing some Jordan Speeth magic continue, I definitely could see it happening again here at an event that he's won before. Sam Burns is an interesting case because. Um, You can't ask for any better course history. He's the back-to-back defending champ here at this event. He's actually never missed the cut at this event. He's played it four times, and he had a 30th place finish and a 12th place finish before the two wins. He had not been playing well before the Players' Championship. He missed cuts at Phoenix and at Riviera, and he was T35 at the Players', which is, you know, for one of the toughest fields in golf at a tough golf course, that's a sign that, you know, maybe he's starting to get things right after those two missed cuts, Like I mentioned earlier, he also has a win at my comp course, Colonial. And so I kind of think that, like, on paper, this is such a good spot for Burns, right? Like, he's such a good putter on Bermuda Greens. He's by far the best at Bermuda Greens as opposed to any other surface. All of his wins have come on Bermuda Greens. And so, like, it just seems like a good spot for him, right? Right. But the recent form to me is absolutely troubling. I think the T35 at the players is a good sign. But I definitely think that it's far from being like an indicator of him being all the way back. So I'm definitely willing to play Sam Burns in DFS this week. I'm definitely willing to bet him to win this golf tournament. But just tamper expectations a little bit. I don't think he is the same Sam Burns that came into this place a year ago when he won this event. Now, Matt Fitzpatrick is a guy that I'm probably not touching at all this week. I just don't trust his health at all. He's missed three of his last five cuts, which is not like him at all. He's normally a cut making machine and like a top 20 machine. And honestly, Sawgrass should have been a pretty good setup for him. He's a well-rounded golfer who is, you know, not going to be boxed out by length or, you know, anything at Sawgrass. And he missed the cut quite badly. So uh, I just don't think that he's right honestly. Now, if you want to play him like kind of as a leverage play in DFS, I do think he will be lowly owned. Uh, And he was a fifth place finisher here last year. So he's got a pretty good run at this event. Um, I just don't trust his health. And so he's a stay away for me. Like I said, he's a leverage based play in DFS, but that's about the only way I see deploying Matt Fitzpatrick here this week. Next up is Tommy Fleetwood, who was T-16 here last year. Not bad. And he's coming off of a T-27 at the players, where really, he just had one bad round. Like, we could very easily be talking about Tommy Fleetwood coming off of a top five at the players and being in the 10K range here at this event. But he shot a final round 76. He kind of just fell apart on Sunday. Um, And so you kind of get a little bit of a discount here on him because of that. I'm willing to kind of forgive it. Like, Sawgrass is a place where big numbers happen, right? Now, he is, this is very notable. He is the best approach player in this top group of players in the last two months. So I mentioned how stroke scan approach is going to be important because you're going to have to hit greens and give yourself enough birdie opportunities that you're going to roll in a few of them. And I think he is the guy of this top group that's going to do it. I would have no problem starting my DFS lineups with him. I do question if he actually has the ability to win the golf tournament, considering, you know, he's never won on American soil. So maybe outright betting him wouldn't be the best move. But I absolutely think that his profile sets up very well for this golf course here at Valspar. Um, And I absolutely have no problem with playing him in any format. Justin Rose is coming off of a T6 at the players. He kind of had the better Sunday than Tommy Fleetwood. They kind of swapped spots on the leaderboard from where they were at on Saturday. I know because I had them both in a DraftKings lineup that was doing very well. Anyway, uh, Justin Rose actually finished fifth here in 2018, uh, but he missed the cut in his last appearance here at 2021. So kind of a mixed bag there in terms of course history. What Justin Rose does have though, you know, we know he's got the recent win at Pebble. And he's got some good finishes recently other than that as well. Um, and he's doing it with an absolute elite-level short game. He has been like the king of scrambling here the past month or two on the PGA Tour. And so if this gets to be a tough tournament where par is going to be a good score, that elite-level short game is going to give a huge advantage to Justin Rose. Um, and He's going to be able to get up and down more than most. And I absolutely think that he has a chance to you know, win this event and pick up his second win in the past two months. Keegan Bradley is next up, and boy, is this one an unpredictable one. He missed the cut at the players last week, and it broke a string of really good golf that he was playing. And his recent finishes is inconsistent as they've been. His course history there is inconsistent also. He's actually been the first-round leader multiple times, but he only has one top-30 finish when he was runner-up in 2021. He just kind of got out by Sam Burns on Sunday. And he actually has the unique distinction. We saw Jordan Spieth do this at the Sony Open this year. He went from first-round leader to a missed cut here at this course at Copperhead, which is almost impressive if I'm being honest. And with Keegan, you're kind of getting the same story that you get every week. He's a great approach player. He's really pretty well-rounded in all aspects of his game, except for his putter. It's like his glaring weakness. And so if you get the putter to cooperate from Keegan this week, it's probably going to be a top 10, top 15 finish. But if the putter does not cooperate, it's probably going to go way down south and you're going to get a missed cut out of him. In DFS formats, I like him as a GPP play, you know, because you're not getting any modicum of consistency out of him. Uh, I wouldn't mind playing him in one and done. I don't think this is a bad spot for him. And I wouldn't mind betting him to win in the golf tournament, either because again, he's either going to give you a chance at winning or he's going to miss the cut badly. That's just what you got to expect from Keegan Bradley this week. Denny McCarthy is coming off of a T13 at the players, and he's one of the world's best putters. So you're just going to give yourself a chance with Denny McCarthy that, you know, if he's got eight foot par putts, he's going to roll them in more than the average golfer, right? And so if this is a difficult event, it bodes well for McCarthy. Bermuda's his best putting service. He has three straight-made cuts at this event. Absolutely no problem deploying Denny McCarthy this week. Adam Hadwin is one of my favorite plays of the week, though. He's coming off of a T-13 finish at the Players, and he has great history at this event, probably second only to Sam Burns, in my opinion. He won the event in 2017, and he placed seventh here last year, two really good finishes, and he's great at difficult setups, right? He's just a super consistent, very conservative golfer, right? When par is a good score, it's going to be a good week for Adam Hadwin. You know, because when you look at it, he's given us some good performances in US Opens where he's been on, you know, the top or near the top of the leaderboard after round two, round three, and been in contention, right? And that's when the rough gets thick. It's when par is a good score. And, you know, when hitting to the center of the green and hitting the green and two putting for your par is a good strategy, Adam Hadwin tends to play well. So I really think that this could be a good week for Adam Hadwin. I don't think he's necessarily a guy to start your DFS lineups off with, but he would probably be my vote for the second guy into a lineup. Um, And I definitely have no problem betting him outright and I think it's a really good week to pick him in one and done if you're looking to avoid the guys at the very top. Davis Riley is the last guy that I'm going to mention here in this top of the board section. Uh, He was runner up here last year which is his only appearance at this event and he did very well at my comp course last year too. He came in T4 at Colonial which like I said was my best comp course for this event And, you know, he was playing some pretty good golf lately. Like, he had a new caddy, and so he had two top 30 finishes with a little mini streak going right. But then he missed the cut at the players, which kind of broke that mini streak. And so I'm kind of – I don't want to say I'm concerned, but I would have felt a lot better about – playing davis riley if he had come in off of a made cut at the players now the one good news and this is kind of an incredible stat he was runner up here last year and he actually lost strokes putting so if he was just an average putter last year he might have won the event and so i really think that when you think about that stat probably bodes pretty well for davis riley and i would have no problem going to him all right that does it for the golfers at the top of the board let's take a quick breather and then we're going to talk about some value plays (laughs) All right, so when it comes to all the value plays, Justin Suh is the recent form king. He's been killing it here in this Florida swing on the PGA Tour. In the three events so far, he has placed 5th, 24th, and 6th so far in the Florida swing, so I really think that I just don't see any reason for him to stop, and I'm probably going to keep going back to him until it does stop, and I think the price tag on DraftKings is very reasonable considering this is an event where all of the guys at the top have some serious concerns about them. I think Justin Suh is a great play in DFS. I think he does give you that winning upside with showing that he is you know, gotten very close here on the Florida swing so far. Wyndham Clark is a very interesting case because he has not missed a cut since October at the Shriners Open. He is one of the longest hitters on tour. And so where he kind of gives himself an advantage this week is in two ways. A, he's going to be able to swing less club to get farther than most. And so you're gonna look at forced layups for him being a little bit easier than the others because he's gonna hit clubs that have a little bit more forgiveness, right? And then two, if he's in the rough, He's gonna have the requisite club head speed to get that ball up out of the rough and, you know, hit it to a green or, you know, hit it to a safe landing area. Whereas others are gonna have to really dig and really, you know, kind of struggle to get that ball up and out of the rough. He's not gonna have trouble. It's why we've seen Bryson DeChambeau have so much success at US Open type setups, right? It's kind of the similar concept for Wyndham Clark. Now, he's done all this in the past four months, and his putter, quite frankly, hasn't been very good. So if you get just a kind of a consistent profile out of Wyndham Clark that he has been showing in the past few months and the putter like actually gain strokes, you could see a really good finish for him. And I actually think that the whole concept of the thick rough definitely plays into his hands. So I really like Wyndham Clark in all formats this week. Ben Griffin is a guy who just keeps making cuts. He's made 12 cuts in his last 13 starts. And that one missed cut was at the at t Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Kind of a quirky event, so I'm willing to look past it. And he has not finished worse than 35th during the Florida Swing. And he is a great around the green player. So he's a guy that as the conditions get tougher and it you know becomes super important to get up and down, he is going to be able to do so. And so I definitely think this is another good Ben Griffin week. This 8K range here in DraftKings between Suh, Clark, and Griffin, I think there's a lot of guys that you can play. And if you're going with more of a balanced build, I think you can absolutely take one of the 9K guys and pair him with two or three of Suh, Clark, or Griffin. And that'd be a great start to your line up now heading down a little you know the board a little bit I do not mind Steven Yeager this week he has three straight top 45 finishes two of which are a t14 and a t44 so far in the Florida swing and I'll be honest I just think he's a talented player right like I kind of think he's outperformed his price tag where he's at right now and I think if you know he had a more known name then he might see a little bit of a price increase on DraftKings and FanDuel and so I kind of don't mind going to him this week I think you're getting him a little bit cheaper than he should be Victor Perez is an interesting case this week. So if you have not heard of Victor Perez, it's because he plays in Europe and he's finished no worse than 28th this calendar year on the DP World Tour with a win this calendar year on the DP World Tour. So because people haven't heard of Victor Perez, I think there's not going to be a whole lot of ownership on him in DFS formats. And so I think that he might be a guy that you can play as leverage because I just think people are going to see, uh, you know, they're going to look at the price tag. They're going to see the, you know, DP World Tour next to them and just go, oh, nope, nope. And so you're going to get a lot of people that pass on him. And I think that that makes him a solid DFS play for that reason. And I also looking at it, when you look at the official world golf rankings, he is much higher than anybody else in this salary range on FanDuel and DraftKings. So if you think that the DP World Tour is somewhere that, you know, the, the World Golf Rankings kind of translate over to America, we're seeing Woo Lee kind of prove that correct here recently. Um, I definitely think Victor Perez is a nominee that can significantly outperform his price tag on FanDuel and DraftKings. Nate Lashley's kind of been playing some deceptively good golf recently. You know, he came in third at the Puerto Rico Open. He made the cut at the players, which is not easy for, you know, as difficult as that field was. And he made the cut here last year. So I think Nate Lashley, not a bad value play on DFS formats. Probably not a guy I would bet to win the golf tournament, but not a bad value play. Akshay Batia is a really interesting guy. He's a guy I've been following for years. He made me a lot of money. When I played him at the ATT Pebble Beach Pro-Am a few years back, and he had the round where he hit all 18 greens at Pebble Beach, and he was super cheap on DraftKings, and I played him, and it ended up working out beautifully. I had Jordan Spieth and Nate Lashley in that lineup also, as a matter of fact. But anyway, um, narrative aside, I've been following that guy since then. If you can hit all 18 greens at Pebble Beach, as tiny as those things are, you you got some talent. You got some real skill level to you. And so recently, a runner-up at the Puerto Rico Open gave him special exemption status for the rest of the year on the PGA Tour. So he's going to be playing in a lot more events. He's a guy that you're going to be seeing quite a few times on your TV because I think he's going to be in contention at a lot of these smaller tournaments. Now, he's also played his college golf at NC State. I mentioned how this is kind of like a North Carolina golf course, and I think that that kind of bodes well for a guy like Akshay that's used to playing courses that are tree Line that have just a little bit of water hazards and have a good amount of elevation changes. Now, here's another interesting nugget. The first PGA Tour event that Akshay Batia played was the Valspar Championship. He actually missed the cut. He's been very vocal in interviews about wanting to get back to this event, wanting to get back to this course, and kind of redeem himself a little bit. So if you kind of buy into that narrative, definitely a good week for Akshay Batia. I trust the talent that this kid has. And I think that eventually he's going to be a winner on the PGA Tour. And why would it not be this week with a relatively weaker field, with him playing good golf coming in, and with him wanting to be good at this golf tournament? I just just think it's a really good week for Akshay. Now, the $7,300 price specifically on DraftKings is very juicy, in my opinion. It's got a lot of guys that are interesting. Tyler Duncan has been playing some good golf, and he's made back-to-back cuts at this event. Have no problem with him. Eric Cole has been great in the Florida swing. He was the runner-up at the Honda. Missed the cut at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. I can kind of forgive that a little bit. And just came in 27th at the Players' Championship. I don't think we have to overthink it. This is a Florida guy playing in Florida. Uh, No reason to go away from Eric Cole. Ryan Gerard. Is another guy that has a temporary exemption on the PGA Tour because of his fourth place finish at the Honda Classic and the 11th place finish at the Puerto Rico Open. Now, this is a better field than both of those events, but he has a lot of motion or a lot of motivation to continue playing well, which he has been doing recently. So I definitely think um, if you'd think that he continues that in recent string, Ryan Gerard, another solid play at this price. And then lastly, there's David Lingmer. just came off a sixth place finish at the players he has four straight made cuts two of which are top tens and he's made the cut in both appearances here at this event we've talked about him on the podcast before he's a guy who kind of just pops randomly uh and he tends to play well at p die courses actually and this is kind of like a p die course right like it's You know, it's kind of long, but it's very, you know, maneuverable off the tee. Like you have to hit it to certain spots and there's a lot of trouble lurking. And so I kind of think this is not a bad fit for Lingmurth. However, you know, he does pop. He also pops the other direction and gives you a really bad missed cut. So I think he's better as a GPP play in DFS. I think if you're betting him outright, doing it each way wouldn't be such a bad idea. But he's not a guy that I would bet, you know, like just for a made cut or just for a top 50 or anything like that. If he makes the cut, he's probably going to finish top 20. Matthew Neesmith is the guy who's probably the best value play in terms of course history. He came in 21st in 2021, third place last year. If you're a believer in course history, great value play on DraftKings and FanDuel. Ben Taylor is probably the best fit for the course down for all the value plays. Um, he just does well at difficult golf courses. He just doesn't really get phased by weather, wind conditions, anything just, you know, super consistent, very good at getting up and down. Like a lot of the European guys are. Um, and I just think that he's another solid fit for this course. Speaking of which S H Kim is a guy who also plays well in tough conditions. He kind of shows up at the U S open type conditions where rough is thick, where, you know, it's very penal in the the and the fairways are narrow. I almost said that backwards. So S H Kim Guy that shows up in tough conditions, have no problem going back to him, even though the missed cut at the players was a little disappointing. Now, the 6K range on DraftKings is kind of ugly. It's not a whole lot down here. And I think that you can avoid it if you totally want to. I don't really think you need to go down here. If you go down all the way to the 6K range, Ryan Moore and Zach Johnson are two older guys who have good course history here. And it's not really shocking because they're guys who are very accurate off the tee, good iron players, good putters. Um, like I said, they are a little bit older. They're past their primes, but they're guys that definitely know how to get around Copperhead well. And then Dylan Wu. Is the last guy I want to talk about. I think he's just straight up a misprice. I think he could very well be in the 7,300 range with all the other guys I mentioned. He's playing some really good golf. He has four straight made cuts. And when you look at the stats at a deeper level, he has not been putting the ball well. So if you're playing good golf and you're not putting the ball well, if you can just get one slightly lucky week on the putter, he can easily turn this week into a top 10 or top 20 finish. All right, that does it for all of the value plays. So let's go ahead and take a quick breather and then let's talk about some one and done strategy. All right, so let's talk about one and done for this week. So this week, I got to be honest with you, there's a lot of serious concerns about guys at the top. So this might be a week where you can go a little bit off the board and you know still have some success. Now, me personally, I used Justin Thomas in both of the one and dones that I am in last week. I thought the players was a really good spot for him. I thought he was going to turn those putting woes around. And I'm just thankful he made the cut. And, you know, all that Saturday morning drama resulted in him making the cut and getting a payday out of it as opposed to just a goose egg. But I'm just a little concerned with how he's playing. I don't think I can endorse playing him this week. Now, if you're somebody who's played a lot of one and Dungeon, you probably pencil in guys for certain events um, on the calendar. And I'm not going to lie to you. all I penciled in Sam Burns for this event. You know, two-time defending champ, four straight made cuts and it's his best putting surface, I don't envision another scenario where I'm going to want to use Sam Burns for a major or for an elevated event, right? So I kind of see this as, do I trust my gut from preseason and go with Sam Burns, or do I fade him because of the recent form concerns? So I definitely am probably for sure, even if I had him available, I would fade JT, I would probably fade Justin Thomas this week. The first guy in that I would probably consider would be Sam Burns. But like I said, the recent form is a little bit of a concern. The guy that I might go with is Tommy Fleetwood. Like I said, he's one of the best approach players coming in. And, you know, this is not an elevated event. There's not a whole lot of money up for grabs this week. So you can keep Burns and Thomas and Spieth for those bigger events. And if you play Fleetwood... You know, this is a week that maybe not getting the winner wouldn't hurt you. And so even if he just gets you like a top five, that's probably going to be pretty solid this week. I think Fleetwood's a very good choice for one and dunes. The other guy I'm considering is the guy who is like the king of course history here, and that is Adam Hadwin. Like I said, he's won here. He did well here last year. He's very good at an event where par is a good score. And so reading everything that I'm reading about the rough and everything else going on, I kind of think this could be a good week for Adam Hadwin. So that's where I'm at right now. I'm either going to trust my preseason intellect and roll with Sam Burns, or I'm going to look a little further down the board and go with the likes of Tommy Fleetwood, who might not have as much winning upside, but definitely has the perfect profile for this course, or go with Adam Hadwin, who has the perfect course history for this course and fits the profile very well as well. So those are kind of where I'm at in terms of one-and-done options for this week. Like I said, definitely not considering Spieth, definitely not considering Fitzpatrick, and I probably wouldn't go too much further down the board because I just don't think you have to go further down the board than any of those two. Maybe Davis Riley or Wyndham Clark, I don't know, but definitely like I'm not considering any long shots this week. All right, so that does it for the one-and-done analysis, and that does it for this episode of the Valspar Championship Preview. Hopefully, if you are playing DFS or betting or playing one and done, you got all the information you need to hear on this podcast in 30 minutes or less. Now, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast feed because even if you're not interested in college basketball, it's March Madness week. We've got our bracket breakdown on the podcast feed. Check that out. If you want some tips and picks for winning your bracket pools at the office or wherever you play your bracket pools, give that a listen. It's a good product, I promise. Um, And then we're gonna have our March Madness DFS previews coming out later on in the week as well. So if you wanna try college basketball DFS or if you're looking to get back into it or if you listen to it regularly, please give those a listen, subscribe to the podcast feeds. You'll be notified when new episodes drop. And as always, if you want my official DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Both the golf picks and the college basketball picks have been running really well recently. Um, So make sure you hop on the train while it is hot. Uh, And that's about all I got for this episode, guys. Um, Best of luck to everybody at the Valspar Championship this week, whether you're betting, DFSing, one and dunning. Best of luck to you. Hopefully I gave you what you needed. And also, best of luck to everybody here in March Madness this week. It's a great week to be a sports fan. Going to be a lot of good things going on all at one time. All right, that's it. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you all next.